Amen. And I would highly encourage all of you to, um, to be in prayer for all of our foster care families and ministries and children in our community, that we would be the, the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Hey, take your Bibles today, and we're in Romans chapter 16 today. Romans chapter 16. And um, I, have, uh, I have one other announcement for you. This is the last message in the book of Romans, and we started this series uh, way back at the, at the Sunday, right after Easter Sunday, and we have been marching through the book of Romans um, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, all the way we find ourselves in the very last book. And uh, Romans chapter 16 today, if you've got, we've got sermon notes on the, on the, on the tables out there. Here's what I want to ask you, okay? We've got, uh, there were 29 messages in this series. Could I just tell you, uh, just, just to let you know, we broke all of the church growth advice that uh, has been given for so many years that you cannot do a sermon series longer than four to six weeks before people lose interest and move on to something else, all right? This is by far the longest series that I have ever done in my entire ministry of 30 years that we have done 27 weeks in the same book of the Bible and walked all the way through it. So here's what I want to ask. Is there anybody in the room that has heard every single message either in person or online in the book of, in this series, in the book of Romans, would you please stand up? Lita, stand on up. No, you can't stand. All right, look at that. Amen. Stand, keep standing. Mark, I want to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there's nine, right? Nine people. All right, praise God. All right, you may be seated. Thank you very much. That's amazing. Actually, I thought there might be maybe one, so I'm amazed by that. So praise the Lord for that. And um, I was talking to my brother, uh, David Alexander, over here. He's got, he's got notes, and he not only kept the notes from every message that he was here for, but he color-coded them. He's got it highlighted in so many different ways. And uh, he said, I've got all the sermons I ever need in the book of Romans right here in front of me, you know. So he can go out and preach those messages. But it's been a joy. I can't tell you I've enjoyed it so very much. And I'm so glad that um, we took this journey together. So we are in Romans chapter 16 today. And um, um, there was a, this week, a few days ago, did you know, 37 years ago, the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster happened. Remember that? Do you remember that? I mean, all of us remember where we were in that day, 1986 it was, um, that that happened. Well, this, this, just a few days ago, they found a piece of the shuttle on the, in the Florida, in the ocean, in Atlantic Ocean. There was some history, from the History Channel, they were searching for something else, and they discovered the belly of the, of the space shuttle. And they've been looking for these pieces. They've only got about 60% of that shuttle that blew up. And they've been looking for the rest of those pieces. They're collecting them. And today we are actually in a book of the Bible, Romans chapter 16, that I think most of us, when we read the scripture, we kind of skip through it. It's kind of one of those sections of scripture that you go, yeah, there's a bunch of names there and I'm just going to I'm just going to skim my way past them and jump to something that means something. 
But here in the book of Romans, we find that there are what I call nuggets of truth. They are nuggets of truth that, that if you would take the time to really read them, you would, you would discover some things that were amazing. If you go to a movie theater, at the end of the movie, they run all of the, all of the what? All the different names and credits. How many of you stay for that? Wow, there's a few of you, all right? Rusty Rhodes, who produces movies, you really like to see. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you might discover somebody on that list that you go, oh, wow, I didn't even know they were a part of that, you know? I'll be honest with you, I never stay for the credits. I'm always, boom, done with the movie, on with the next thing, you know? You know so, so, but this is like, this is like, you know, Paul has finished writing his letter and he's now giving, he's giving the credits. He's, he's, he's connecting with people. He's bringing greetings. And in this section of scripture, you will discover that, that he speaks about 26 individuals. Now catch this. Two families and three house churches. He connects with 26 individuals, uh, three family, two families, and three house churches. And in this scripture, what we find here is that, that God is using ordinary, everyday people to do extraordinary things. And Paul, being a pastor, being, a, being somebody who, you know, cared about people, he is bringing recognition to people who had no recognition. And as we read this list together, here's what I will discover. Some of these folks, we don't know anything about them except their name is in the Bible. Pretty big deal, right? But we really don't know who they are. Some of them, we know a little bit about them from other places in Scripture and historians who have written about them. Some of them, we know some things about their qualities because Paul talks about some of their qualities and he affirms them in some things. You have a wonderful church. We have a wonderful church here at Olive Knowles. And there's a wonderful group of ordinary, everyday Bakersfield people here at our church. Some of you, you don't even know their names, but they, you recognize their faces. Some of them, you know their names, but they are behind the scenes doing incredible things for God. And so today, as we read Romans 16 together, okay, I'm going to make you read it all, all right? Let's, uh, let's discover some nuggets of truth that God can use in our own life. Stand with me as we read God's word together. Romans chapter 16, starting at verse number 1, says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Senrica. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in the way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but for all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponitas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Now catch that. The very first person who came to Christ in the province of Asia is in the book of the Bible. Amen. We don't know anything about him, but we know he got saved. And you're going to be in heaven someday and you're going to meet him. Amen. Verse number six. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet 
and Drunkius and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Greet and pleat, pleat, whom I love in the Lord. <laughs> Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stacy, or whatever his name is. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Nar Narcissus, who, is in, who are in the Lord. Greet the Thai guys, who are the Thai girls, who are, who are women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet those bunch of guys in verse 14. <laughs> greet those bunch of people in greet 15. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Now, could I just tell you, if you're having a baby, don't pick the names out of the book of Romans 16, okay? This is not a good place to find a name of a baby, all right? <laughs> Actually, I, I, there might be a few names you would use, but not too many. Number 17, verse 17, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of the naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, and so I am full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do, as do Lucius, Jason, and so, so Sia, Pater, my relatives. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. He's the guy that actually wrote Romans, physically wrote it. Gaius, has hospitality, I and the whole church are, are here to enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city director of public works, isn't that great? The public works director made the Bible. <laughs> and our brother Quartius sends you greetings as well. Now we're going to read the last few verses at the end of this message. But let's give thanks to the Lord for the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Well, praise God. So let me give you a few nuggets this morning that I believe that are going to, that are worthy. I mean, because this is, this is one of those passages, to be honest with you, if I wasn't preaching through the entire book of the Bible, I probably would have never preached a sermon from Romans chapter 16. You know, this isn't like a, a text that, that, that you say, oh, there it is. But there are some incredible pieces within this, this, this chapter that I, think, that I think will speak to many of us at several different levels. You might find one nugget more important than another, but catch these nuggets. The first nugget that I want to give to you is simply this. There are 10 women who are mentioned by name in the list of the 26 people. Now, you might say, why do I point out that there are 10 women? Because 
In that day and time, women were not prominent. Women didn't have a voice. Women didn't have opportunities like the men did of our day and time. But here Paul recognizes 10 women who are, who are workers with him in Jesus Christ, who are ordinary, everyday women who are doing extraordinary things. And I thought to myself this week, I was thinking to myself, over the last uh, 30-something years that I've been a pastor, I can't tell you that there, the number of women that have been part of the churches that I have pastored, that without them, the church would collapse. It's true. The women have carried the church all the way back to Jesus' time. They have been there. They are strengthened. And I'm not saying the men haven't, although sometimes I feel like the women, men are, are, are sort of behind the women, you know. The women have done incredible, incredible work. And I just want to point out two of them to you. I, get, I'm, I listed all ten for you. But the first one he talked about was Phoebe. And Phoebe was a deaconess in the church. She was a leader. She was a prominent leader within the church. And you'll notice in 16 verses 1 and 2, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant. That word servant, by the way, can also be translated deaconess or deacon of the church in Senrica. Now, this place is where Paul is in Corinth. And he is, he is speaking about this woman named Phoebe who he is sending to Rome. And notice what he says, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Phoebe was the one who took the book of Romans that we found that Tertitus in verse number 22 had written down after Paul had, had, had um, dictated the message Tertitus had written it down, and then Phoebe takes the message and actually takes it all the way to Rome and delivers it. She is the courier of the Word of God. She is the one who's been entrusted to take the Word of God, which she never even really understood at that day and time, that this would be a scripture that, that we would study, that we would read, that we would contemplate. But God used Phoebe to be the instrument to bring the word of God to them. And that's why he says, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. In other words, he's asking this church to receive Phoebe in a way with respect in a way with hospitality, in a way with love, in a way to receive her as a sister in the Lord. Kind of like we're doing with you, Tammy, this morning. Amen? You are our Phoebe today, bringing the good news of pathways and children that are in our community who need a home, a forever home, or even a temporary home to be the love and care of Jesus Christ. You see, there's Phoebes all over the world. Is Phoebe's in this church. You carry the word of God with you and you carry his mission and you are serving other people. And Paul says Phoebe was, was a minister and a help to him as well as to many others, amen? And so I want you to notice Phoebe. She was, she was a carrier. This letter was written to the Romans from Corinth through Phoebe and since it is clear that Tertitus was Paul's secretary, 
Um, it is likely that Phoebe was the courier. And I thought that was so cool, all right? Second person I want you to point out to you is Priscilla. Priscilla, you'll find there in verse number three, it says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Now, I'm going to come back to that in nugget number two, but I do want you to notice that, that Priscilla and Aquila are wife and husband. Priscilla is the wife. Aquila is the husband. Notice the order that Paul addresses this married couple in. He recognizes the wife first and the husband second. This is crucial for us to understand that Paul valued women. He valued their ministry. He valued their leadership. He valued them in such a high level that he believed that God could use a woman, women as much as he can use men. And could I just tell you, you are in a church called the Church of the Nazarene that values women in ministry. We believe that women can be called to preach, teach, and lead just as much as a, a man can be. And we affirm that and believe that the Scripture encourages that, especially in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit falls on male and female and that men and women dream dreams and have visions and leadership and preach the Word. Priscilla was a church planter, pastor, and missionary. She was a teacher of God's word in a powerful way. Then there's Mary and Juna, and, and I call this the Thai girls, you know, and the Persis, Rufus' mother, Julia, nurse's sister. I mean, Paul recognizes all of these folks. The first nugget that I want to see is that women of the church of Olive Knowles, you are valuable. We love you. We need you. We thank you for being the leaders in our church that we so desperately need. And may God bless you today. Amen. Here's my second nugget. The second nugget is this. Building the church is hard work. Building the church is hard work. I want you to notice what Paul says about specifically. He never says this about the men, by the way. But he specifically says it about the women. Notice what he says. He says, first of all, greet Mary who worked very hard for you. He says, greet the Thai girls, those women who work hard in the Lord. Notice what he says, greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Did you catch the phrase that Paul uses three times? to identify three people that he is greeting and he wants to recognize, and they are recognized because they work hard. I don't know about you, but I value hard work. Do you? You appreciate somebody who works hard? Paul here recognizes that these women are not only women who love the Lord Jesus Christ, but they are actively involved in the building of the kingdom of God through the church of Jesus Christ. They are builders of his own. We've all heard statements like this, either about co-workers, well-known high achievers, or perhaps you've even heard somebody say to you, man, you work hard. 
But what does being a hard worker involve? What does it mean to be a hard worker? What is it? How do you become a hard worker? There's no single, simple, um, right answer to all circumstances. But here are a few ways to recognize a hard worker. Let me give you a few. First, they put a great deal of effort in their work, either physically, mentally, or emotionally. Second, they might put in some long hours. Third, they work at a high intensity, completing a large volume of work in a reduced time frame. They are diligent, consistent, maintain high standards at all times above the average level. They, are, they plan, organize, work so that others can be productive as possible. They take initiative, identify opportunities, and independently generate productive work. They are highly focused. They, they have the ability to maintain concentration and they are people who never give up. That, my friends, is the definition of a hard worker. And I don't know about you, but if you run a company, you love those hard workers. If you are a pastor and you have a staff, you love your staff when they are working hard. If you're a congregant, you love the, the, your fellow brothers and sisters that are stepping out and taking the lead and working hard to bring an event. You look at this craft fair that's going on right now, and Crystal and David Alexander have been working extremely hard to make that event not only successful this year, but have been doing it for years. So many others that you can recognize. But hard work should be valued in the church. And could I just tell you this? Church work is not glamorous. It's not glamorous. It's not about a stage. It's not about lights. It's about digging in and doing the work of the Lord day after day after day after day after day after day when nobody's looking. Somebody is there serving the Lord and doing the work of Jesus Christ. A great church is made up of great people who work hard for him. And so if you're not working, could I encourage you? Get in the team. Start working together. Building the church of Jesus Christ because God wants that. I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember you before our God and Father for what? Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I would not be the pastor I am today without a spouse like Jane who has worked tirelessly with me for over 30 years in ministry. She works as hard and long, probably harder than I ever do sometimes, carrying out the work of the Lord. And I know so many others who do the same thing. So that's nugget number two. Here's nugget number three, ready? Nugget number three. Married couples should be on mission together. Can I get an amen from the married couples here today? Amen? Notice what Paul says, going back to Priscilla. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now catch what Priscilla and Aquila did. 
You can go, by the way, you want to do a good Bible study? Just go and study what Priscilla, all the times that Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned in the New Testament. And all the times that God used this couple in a powerful way. By the way, you will never find their names in the scripture except together. Priscilla is never mentioned without Aquila, and Aquila is never mentioned without Priscilla. Why? They are on mission together. Amen? You see one, you see the other. They are one heart and one mind. And the scripture says, they, both of them, risk their lives for me, not only I, but for the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. We don't really know what the specifics are about how these two couples risk their lives. But there is there are some theories out there that they were actually they were actually the ones that that kept Paul sometimes out of prison, sometimes from being beheaded, sometimes from the church being destroyed. They used their own resources, their own money, their own wealth to care for the needs not only of the Apostle Paul, but for the church of Jesus Christ in the early days. That is an incredible couple. Amen. And not only did they do that, but notice the next verse. Notice what it says. Greet also the church that meets at their house. They opened their home and said, the church can be in my house. And they didn't just do that in one town, but the scripture records for us that they actually did that in two different places where they opened their home. Aquila had a wonderful business. He was a tent maker. And he used his money and his resources to fund the church of Jesus Christ, to help it to grow, to help cover the expenses of ministers and pastors and missionaries. He was, he was all in with, with Priscilla, and their mission and purpose was to declare and see that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forward. That's an incredible couple, amen? And so they were on mission together. A couple of things about being on mission together. I'd, I'd, if this nugget really catches you, here's some characteristics about this couple. First of all, they were together on hospitality. I know that so often I can think of so many times that Jane and I have had people over to our house. And usually she's doing, you know, her and I work together, cleaning the house, getting it all ready, making sure everything's ready to go. She's cooking, and I'm cleaning some, and she's cleaning some, and we're setting things up, and we work as a team to, to show hospitality to the folks that are coming into our home. Jane and I went over to Todd and um, Becky Bentley's on Friday for lunch, and when we got there, we noticed that, that Becky was working with Todd and they had, they had cleaned the whole house and they invited their pastor and wife over. We had a wonderful time of fellowship together. That's hospitality. You can work together in hospitality. A couple in mission is willing to see themselves as part of the solution. There are many ministries in this church. For example, Connect 56 that we're launching for 5th and 6th graders. And what your pastoral team have been praying about. Who is the couple in our church that could take this mission on together? 
that could connect to boys and girls in our community and help them to, to transition from childhood into adolescence? Who is that couple that can step into that ministry? Now, I'm not saying that it couldn't be a single person or it couldn't be one person of a couple, but there is power in working together. Amen? There's power in working together as a couple. This couple is there. And last but not least, this couple were on mission and faithful to the end. You know what the greatest joy in life is? To work with Je for Jesus. To live your life in such a way as that you serve and you give and you're on mission together. And together you walk through life together having shared experiences that are meaningful, that build a legacy, that are talked about well beyond your lifespan into other people's lives. Amen. Ken and Lori Tolleson, could I just commend you guys? on the way that you are leading in our young adult ministry. Thank you for being leaders, opening your home up every single day, Sunday to provide a place for our young adults to care for each other, love each other, grow each other, and serve. That's the kind of ministry we need, my friends, to see the church go forward in powerful ways. Here's nugget number four. Church families have a deep roots of love, should have deep roots of love. I notice in this list that, that all of these folks, and you'll see this in verse 7, verses 8 and 9, verse 11, and then in verses 13, you'll notice this phrase. He says, greet um, Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. Now, when I first read that, I said, man, Paul, you got a lot of relatives, but these relatives are not biological. He's not talking about brothers and sisters, biological people, aunts and uncles and cousins. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, and he's calling them relatives. It's like when I first got saved and everybody was saying, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and brother this and sister that. I was like, is everybody related to this church? Now, I want to say, this church has got a lot of relatives in it. It seems like everybody's connected to somebody somewhere. But our greatest connection is not biology. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's our connection together. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus. I love how he said to Ampletius, whom I love in the Lord. And he called this Stacy guy here, this Stax guy or whatever that name is, my dear friend, my relative. And then I love how he says Rufus's mother, he says, who has been a mother to me too. You know what happens in a church when you really get deep and you really are committed? People become spiritual mothers and fathers to you. They begin to have relationships that are deep. I have some spiritual fathers in my life. My pastor, I called him dad. He was literally like a dad to me. I call him mom C and dad C. That's his last name is Clifford, so I called him C. And there are people in your life that you have ministered to who you see that you love them as much as you love your own children. You care for them. 
You want to see your kids grow up in a church where they're Sunday school teachers, they're small group leaders, they're, they're, they're kids that, the, the adults that take them to camp and go on mission trips with them and that, that play games with them. They will become like special people in their lives. That's what the church is. The church is not just a place to come and sit for an hour and go home. We are family. Amen? Family plays together, laughs together, prays together, and serves together. That's what we need in the church. And that's what Paul is pointing out in all of his greetings. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy. So he's talking about this guy, Gaius, in Corinth, where he's writing this letter, is providing this hospitality. Here's another nugget. Protect, your, protect the unity of the church. After Paul gives all of these greetings, pa Paul turns into pastor again. And he just wants to say a few words about, about the family. And notice what he says. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions, who put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. He was concerned about, this is, remember, this is an early church. This is the beginning of Christianity. This is the start of, a, of the movement of God. And he, and he realizes God has done some incredible things through some extraordinary, ordinary people. But he's, he's concerned that there are some others who have ulterior motives, who are going to drag them away, who are going to deceive them. And there are so many things in our world today that can drag you away from the church, that can get you going in the wrong direction and find yourself in a place where you're not in fellowship anymore. You're not connected anymore. Paul's saying, let's protect the unity and the bonds of relationships within the body of Christ. He says, for such people are not, are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By their smooth talk and flattery, they deceive in the minds of naive people. I remember when I was in my, my second church. I was there for about a year and a half, and I had this, I had this one guy in the church that, that took his entire Sunday school class and took him out of, to, out, out of the church. He was divisive. He was accusatory. He was, he was influential to that group. And as he took him away, he, he began to call other people in the church and said bad things about, about me and about others. And, and the church is being ripped apart from the inside out. One Tuesday morning, I got in my car and I drove to his office unannounced. And I walked into his office and I looked him in the eyes and I said, if you want to go, go, but leave the church alone. Leave the church alone. You're doing harm to the body of Christ. And thankfully, he stopped. But a hundred people left the church that year. We were in the middle of a $2 million building program that he was the campaign director for. But you know what? 
Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have to protect the unity of the body. Amen. Could I just say this? This isn't in the sermon. If Olive Knowles is your church home and you decide to leave it, leave it right. Be responsible. Amen. And at least tell me you're leaving. Just let me know. I'll bless you. Amen. We're family here. Family cares. And when parts of the family leave, it hurts. But we realize that the family of God is bigger than any one local congregation. Amen? But we are a local church here. God wants us to protect the unity of the church. Last nugget. Be wise about the things of the Lord. I love what Paul says here. Look what he says. Everyone has heard about your obedience. And could I just say, you are an obedient church. You love the Lord. I think Olive Knowles is one, is, has so many people who are so faithful and so obedient and so, serve so wonderfully. He says, so I am full of joy over you. Can you hear the heart of pa Pastor Paul here? Speaking to a church, by the way, that he had never visited yet. He was in Corinth. He didn't get to Rome yet. He's writing them a letter, but he's heard about their obedience. He says, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. There's a lot of bad stuff in our world that you don't have to experience. And God would rather you just be totally naive about the things of the world. He would rather you be wise and know about the things of the Lord. Amen? The things that are right and holy and pleasing and pure. The things that are good to think about. The things that bring life and liberty. The things that are, that are of God. He wants you to be of those things. He doesn't want you to be an expert in the wickedness of our world today. He wants us to be the kind of people that major on the wise things about God. That's what he wants so much. Amen? Well, I gave you six nuggets. Amen? Which one is the most important for you? Which nugget is the most important? Which one spoke to you? Which one do you need to go and say, Lord, help this nugget to become part of my life? Amen? Worship team's going to come. We're going to sing a closing song about building my church. And as they come and as we sing, I wonder today if there might be some of you that would say, Lord, I just need to come to the altar. I need to pray. I need to talk to the Lord about something he's spoken to me about. I need to talk to Jesus today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you could join the first convert that we found in Romans 16 and become a convert of, the, of Jesus and become a Christian today. Amen? Maybe that's your place today. Whatever it might be, as we sing together, the altars are open, a place to pray. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord, for this word today. Thank you for teaching us today. 
Thank you for nuggets of truth found in a book that sometimes we overlook, a chapter that we overlook. Would you just speak to us as we conclude this service, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.